You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hi, everyone. It's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. Your support really means a lot to me. So thanks for listening. This episode, I sit down with my good friend and fellow yoga teacher, Diane Bondi, who is a social justice activist, a disruptor, author, accessible yoga teacher, and the leader of the Yoga for All movements. I respect Diane's teaching so much so that when I wanted to make my teaching more accessible, it was to her that I turned to guidance. She's even written the foreword of my new book, Get Your Yoga On, which is all about making the practice more accessible. And of course, she's in the book too. So check that out on Amazon if you are interested in pre-ordering and seeing what the next phase of my teaching is all about. Diane and I talk about everything yoga related in this age of COVID-19 and we share some good laughs and also some really deep insights about what it means to be a yoga practitioner and a yoga teacher in these times. Diane's inclusive approach to yoga empowers anyone to practice, regardless of their size, shape, ethnicity, or level of ability. Diane is revolutionizing yoga by educating yoga instructors around the world on how to make their classes welcoming and safer for all kinds of practitioners. I've learned so much from Diane, and I think you'll get just a little bit of a hint at how beautiful and bright her energy really is from this podcast. So let's take a listen and dive in. Hi, Diane. Thanks so much for joining me, having a little conversation about yoga. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always great to talk to you, Kino. So here we are, locked in our houses. <laughs> you know, safe at home. <laughs> safe at home. Yeah. Connected through the wonderful, you know, world of the online and internet space. And so much of yoga is now happening online. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. So, my personal practice these days has either been assisted with uh, my teacher who we convinced to do a Zoom class or me practicing at home, which I normally practice at home. But then my yep. teaching now has turned into you know, teaching on Zoom if I'm teaching kind of one-on-one or small group mm-hmm. classes, which I was joking about uh, with someone saying that my yoga teaching has turned into squinting at a screen and telling my students to straighten their legs. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so how about you? What's your experience been of both being a student and mm-hmm. and teaching in these, you know, coronavirus days? Well, it's kind of interesting as well, as everybody knows, I'm on your Omstar platform. So, I'm 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 used to kind of teaching online as as we both are. And it's been for me, I've been doing more yoga than ever because I've had so many of my students reach out to me and say, "Hey, how, like if I got five people together, could we do a Zoom class?" And I'm like, well, I'm not really doing anything else. So yeah, I guess so. Like, and, and it's just been really interesting. The same thing that you're doing, like walking up to the zoom and looking and I'm like, okay, that back leg could be, you know what I mean? Doing the same (laughs) kinds of things. And I've always had a home practice. I prefer a home practice. Just in the past six months, I started going back to the studio. Like I live like really close to a studio that I would walk to and they've been putting up, um, 
Instagram live classes. So I've been pretending I'm in the space while they're teaching. So that's been my thing. And me squinting at them, trying to figure out what they're doing. Me trying to figure out how to get my um, Bluetooth speaker hooked up to my computer, then on my desk, and then loud enough for me to hear what's going on. And then hope to God my kid doesn't come to the door and knock and ask for anything at this point, right? Because everybody's home and my husband's home. And uh, it's just been um, a challenge but a new perspective on how my yoga practice is going to evolve, like how much time I dedicate when I now am practicing as opposed as to opposed to opposed to before. Um, and I'm actually enjoying teaching on Zoom and I'm actually enjoying having a group of like my best friends together practicing because we can never ever find a time when we all can get to a class together. And now we have nothing but time. So we're doing all this yoga together. So oh, I, I love like that. It. Yeah, I kind of like I do. That. I love that. Have you noticed that there are more people interested in starting yoga right now? Totally. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of it. And um, I noticed that you have an intro to yoga stuff uh, series coming up, which I think is really, really awesome. But I, I think when we come out the back end of this, that we're going to see a lot more people who have been traumatized by this entire process mm. and have, you know, have feelings around what has happened. I think we're going to see a surge in the amount of people who want to start this this journey of yoga, that they've had an opportunity to do it at little or no cost because everybody is online. Every time I'm on Instagram, going live, going live, going live, going live. But like, there's like, there's a yoga class like every five minutes. So there, so people who are, have been intimidated about trying and probably had a chance to try in the privacy of their own home. So I think we're going to get those people venturing back out again to see what it's like to do yoga in a community space. So I think we're going to see a surge. My feeling is things are going to be really different on the other side of what I'm calling the big pause. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like this, the big pause. The big you know, pause. We, the yeah. Big pause, right? Totally. You know, there there was something, a funny meme that I, I saw the other day that said, you know, like this is a special leap year, 2020. You know, there were 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and six years in April. <laughs> That is so true. (laughs) You know, and the other thing is that for people, we're mostly busy, you know, and especially if you're not a spiritual practitioner, you don't Mm -hmm. really have a tool to equip the mind for what to do in downtime. So then like it's downtime and it's like, well, this is when I'd be normally at work. So then, you know, well, I'm on a Zoom meeting and I'm going to take care of this, but you never leave your house. So you're still kind of on enforced retreat, you know, like the shelter at home is like this enforced retreat and... So some spiritual practitioners, people that have a, have a spiritual practice are like, well, now that I have three hours in the morning, I can do a full meditation, a full mm-hmm. yoga practice. Mm-hmm. I can journal. I can do all this kind of stuff. But without that, then you just wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, right. this is me and my thoughts. And so you end up on YouTube. And I, I'm, I'm finding that there are, that there are the, many new students out there that are like interested in doing something to calm their mind right mm-hmm. now. It's like that mirror of the mind is really, really poignant. And, you know, we were speaking about before, all of our nerves are just like on that little frayed edges. Edges right at the surface. Everything I find now is right at the surface. And uh, I think if I didn't have my spiritual practice and my yoga practice, I would probably be flying off the handle at every little thing. Because I have teenage boys and honest to God, they're eating me out of house and home. And I'm just like... 
it's okay. I can nourish them. It's okay. You know, this is how we're coping. This is okay. It's a traumatic experience. Try not to get mad at him. He's dealing with all his feelings right now. And let's remember to come back to our breath. And I'm grateful that I have those tools, right? Otherwise I'd be like, why is everybody in the fridge? And how come you can't put your dishes away? That would be me. And I'm not any of, you know what I mean? I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just like, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to breathe. And you know, it's okay if he eats every everything. You know, I'll just have it delivered. Like I feel really privileged in that way. But if I didn't have my spiritual practice, I probably would be screaming at my kids the entire time they were home. I feel that's something many, many people can identify with, you know, whether it's kids, you know, partners, neighbors, anybody. It's just one of these things where you know, the, I, I do feel it. The nerves are really, 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 really on edge. I, I was I was driving the other day and I was actually not driving above the speed limit. And there was a man who was running, was yelling at me to slow down. Oh, wow. He was going like 30 miles an hour. And he was yelling at me, slow down, slow down. And I just felt like, wow, so I felt that we're all on this, you know, we're on this, this, this edge. So say you are someone sitting at home and you realize I'm really on edge. And then I've yeah. just heard this story of how, you know, your spiritual practice helps you, you know, keep your sanity amidst these yeah. crazy times. Yeah. What's your best advice for like a new student to start? They're at home. How do they start? I think the, the, the greatest thing you can do is just learn to breathe. Um, use, notice all these practitioners and yoga teachers doing all these dynamic and complicated poses and asana, and it looks really great. And you think to yourself, oh, I'll never be able to do that. It's not really about that. It's about sitting with your breath. And I think it's a really great time to kind of explore that if you're brand spanking new. And as yoga teachers, you and I basically just tell, teach people how to breathe or tell people how to breathe a lot. And so that's what my first step I would say. When you're coming to the practice, find a comfortable seat. It doesn't have to be on the floor. It can be in a chair. You know, It can be leaning up against a wall. Close your eyes and take a deep inhale and just watch the breath enter the body and just watch how your body lights up. And then when you exhale, watch how the body feels lighter as it lets go of the things that are no longer serving it. And I would even offer if you could find a breathing practice where your exhalation is a little bit longer than your inhalation. So perhaps you're inhaling for two, you're exhaling for four. That seems to be a really accessible one for most people. If you're a really seasoned practitioner, you probably can inhale for four and exhale for eight or 12 or whatever. But that is guaranteed to soothe the central nervous system. And that's your yoga if you're brand new to it. And then watch as you start to feel, you know, if I want to move organically with this breath, what would come up for me? And and I mean, just as little as five minutes, just as little as 10 minutes, just breathing and moving and breathing and moving. And that's what I would offer a beginner. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to dedicate yourself to 90 minutes or or an hour as a brand new person because I think that's really daunting. Start small. And start also start by just noticing what you're feeling and when you're feeling it. And that's been a big part of my practice for most of my life. The minute I start getting angry about something, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. What's going on here? Why are you angry? Is it true? Are you angry? Because somebody's pointing out something about you that's true. I'm like, oh, self-study again. Or, uh, <laughs> or I'm like, okay, why am I getting mad about this? Oh, because I'm anxious. Why am I anxious about this? Because all of this uncertainty is going on in the world. Mm-hmm. What can I do right now? to help me focus 
my attention away from my anxiety because it's just a feeling and it will go away. So I can come back to my breathing. I can just take a minute and go, what's happening in the present moment? (gasps) I'm breathing. So just Mm -hmm. coming back to the breath over and over and over again. And I know it seems... um, simple and i know and i know it also seems difficult but if you can just bring your attention to your breathing and figure out what's going on there you'll be amazed at how it can start to soothe some of the jagged edges around your nerves and it gives you the pause i'm a big fan of the big pause that's going to be my um my story for 2020 i turned 50 about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I can't remember now. It all just blends together. Oh, congratulations. And, and thank you. I'm, next year, I'm going to have an anniversary of my 50th birthday because I did <laughs> nothing. Okay. I was, I was safe at home. <laughs> so anyways, so <laughs> it helps remind me how fortunate I am to be living in this time, even though these times aren't that great, that I'll be a witness to this. And I keep thinking at some point, I will tell if my kids have kids, my grand, my grandchildren, there was this time where we all had to learn how to be in the world again. There was this time when there was this great pause. We were going too fast. We were doing too many things and we had a big pause and then we had to relearn how to live our lives. And I'm just trying to Mm. give it historical context for myself that one day when we're on the other side of this, how will I remember this time? you know? Mm, yeah. Also seeing yourself on the other side is a really important, you know, feeling. Yes. They're, they're, yeah. This too shall pass. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I did see something else funny. It sounds like I just spend all day reading memes, but I saw another, <laughs> I funny <do>. one. <laughs> I saw another funny one that said something like the phrase of the millennial generation when they're older and have, you know, teenage kids will say something like, if I could stay at home for six weeks, you can stay home on Saturday night. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I would hesitate, I would even move it back a generation. I would go to Gen Z, I would even go to Gen Z, which is that my kids are Gen Z right now. So I would I was saying to my son, Nathan, I go, there's going to be a time when you're going to say, when I was a little boy and your kids are going to be like, oh God, he's telling this story again. Or your grandkids are like, oh no, it's the great depression or whatever. I'm it's the go, great pandemic. It's, exactly. I'm 2020. Yeah. There's going to be a time where you're going to tell that story and it's going to be so interesting, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, to see ourselves on the other side of it with humor, with goodness, with grace, is so, so powerful. You know, I've, 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 spe- I've spoken with some energy workers who actually really start to say that, that this is a powerful gate that we're passing through and that the earth is actually in a transition. And so mm-hmm. what's one of, the, one of the most amazing things that's happening right now that I'm sure you and everyone has seen is, I mean, the, the, how the animals and how nature is responding to our absence. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Even in in my backyard, we have so many more birds than 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 I've seen since I was a child here in Florida. And I mean, all different birds I just don't see here, you know, red robins, blue jays, little little birds that I haven't seen pretty much Mm -hmm. ever and so many more butterflies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were penguins walking down the streets of Cape Town, just like checking things out, you know, and so... (laughs) So there, there were a couple of interesting things about that, that the air is definitely much cleaner. You know, the smog in Delhi is gone and people report that they can see the Himalayas, the peaks of the mountains from Delhi, which was only like a wives' tale. It seemed like a legend that wow. people's grandparents said. And it's like, I think it's like 800 miles away from Delhi. And now they can wow. see it because there's such big mountain peaks. Well, some of the, the energy workers that I was speaking to was saying that this is like, this is, this is a shift that we're going yeah. through. And the, yeah. and, and the earth has shifted and mm-hmm. that, that it's almost 
predestined that we we take this great pause so mm-hmm. that then we can come back into the world and as you mentioned relearn how to live in this newly updated world because the earth has changed its frequency and and it's like if we want to be a part of the new world we're going to need to update ourselves those old patterns of what we were in the past that's just not going to cut it anymore if we want to shift into kind of the new the, you know the, the new us and I, I think that's so much about what yoga is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right so yoga is like this yeah. great shift I have been saying this too. This is a, a learning. A couple of things have come up for me from, from what you said. It's a, a nice reminder to us of how powerful Mother Nature is. Um, that at any given moment, she can, he can, they can uh, decide we're not doing this anymore and wipe us clean off the face <laughs> of this planet if, yeah. if so inclined. And that this virus is an opportunity for some of us to reflect back on Uh, how we treat the world, how we treat the globe, how we show up. And I think it's good because everything that was happening prior to the great pause to this pandemic wasn't working anyway, wasn't working for a lot of people. A lot of people were entirely disenfranchised by, uh, by the world prior to the pandemic. A lot of people are continuing to be disenfranchised within the pandemic because we know a lot of communities are hit harder. Certain communities are hit harder, marginalized people are hit harder by this pandemic. So I'm hoping that that's also being um, illustrated. The light is also being shined on that as well. And then how we reconcile all those things at the end. Like there's no way that you can deny certain things anymore because this pandemic has illuminated certain things, the way we treat the earth, very much you were saying, the idea that penguins were walking in Cape Town, checking things out. Um, up north, up here, out west, actually, in Canada, you know, there's uh, caribou and moose and all this kind of stuff just walking through town because nobody's in town and seeing all <laughs> that, you know, seeing all those things. And we were out for a walk in my neighborhood and we saw a family of foxes. And I, I I've never seen a family. I might see an odd one dead on the side of the road, but um, to see that and people were who were out walking were taking a picture of this fox because we're like, Oh, we have Fox here. And there's like a park that has, um, it's, uh, it used to be a garbage dump that's been reclaimed. And, um, maybe 15 years ago, uh, they went in and planted trees and, you know, tilled the soil and all that. Now it's this gorgeous park with this gorgeous hill that overlooks all of Essex County. And there are, when I started running, so I was running up this hill and there's so many pheasant and this morning, um, I guess, I don't know, a flock of uh, turkeys ran by me. And I've never, I've lived here for turkeys? like 17 turkeys. Turkeys are big. I don't know if you've seen a turkey. That's a big, big bird. And a, and a flock of them ran in front of me. That's never happened to me before. And I'm just like, this is interesting how much of an impact we have on nature and how we get to see things with these fresh new eyes because of the big pause, right? And how do we continue to see these things? How do we continue to take a fresh new look at the world, right? Oh, I love that. You know, I really also think that that is the essence of what yoga is. You know, there's, there's all this imagery out there, you know, you know, fit, young, flexible people bending over backwards with both legs behind the head. You know, I may have contributed to some of those images, but, um, you know, so but people look at that and think, oh, well, that's yoga, you know, yoga stretching. Mm -hmm. Yoga Mm -hmm. is doing a handstand. Oh, Mm -hmm. there's, oh, you're a good yogi because you have a really deep back bend or, you know, this all, it's all physical, physical, physical. But what we're talking about is something 
you know, energetic, something that is the self-study, something that is about spiritual growth and development. So for people that are coming to the practice or maybe just thinking the practice is just stretching, like mm-hmm. how can we how can you flush that out? Like what's the link between kind of the poses, the asanas, the imagery, the iconography of yoga as it's mm-hmm. kind of sold and bought and consumed mm. in our culture and then mm-hmm. the actual impact of yoga that's a felt lived experience in the bodies of practitioners that's a that's a huge question and that's one that everybody i think who um has practiced for any length of time will start to unpack i think as a newbie you are very attracted to that physical aspect because we live in a culture and we're mammals that really prioritizes that physicality in whatever we do. But I would offer this. You're going to come to the mat for physical reasons because we're all safe at home. I have to keep saying that instead of saying what I really want to say, but you know, we're all safe at home. Um, and we're, you know, I don't know, maybe a little like, oh, I need to get out. I need to do something. And you come to the practice initially because it's some physical movement that you need to do. But what I always find at the end of the practice is when I sit And I sit for my meditation, which is how I do my practice. I do the really physical part first. And then my body's tired enough and relaxed enough that I have to sit or lay down. And that's when I can observe my thoughts. And Mm -hmm. so you may initially come to the practice for that physical um, interaction with your body or that joyful movement, as I like to call it, within your body. But it's it's the pause after the joyful movement that we integrate all those other things that you talked about. That we integrate that it isn't about that really deep bend and it isn't about that wonderful, you know, arm balance, if that's what you can do. That it's actually about all the things that happen happen after that, all the realizations that we have after that, when our body is relieved of its, like maybe it's anxious movement and we get to sit in our quiet selves that we can have a moment to contemplate, what am I feeling? And perhaps what are some of the internal messages and dialogue that was shut down when I was practicing, right? Because when I came to the yoga practice as a person who wasn't really connected to my body, it was only after I sat down and was, you know, in Shavasana or in meditation that I realized the activity of my mind slowed down and to a certain degree, um, overarching negative thoughts that I had about myself ceased. Um, and it was only until I sat down and came back to my breath that I noticed they started back up again. So it was a really nice way to know the yoga was a really nice way to notice how I could be in my head and not understand that I'm connected to a larger energy. And then at the end of that physical action, be able to connect with something bigger than myself. So I needed that physicality in order to get to that stillness, right? And that's what I would offer to beginners. Everybody I know came to the practice because, you know, uh, back in the, you know, in the 90s and I even say the 80s, when I was working out, uh, (laughs) it was like, oh, you know what? It's not, you do yoga, it's not really a workout. You do yoga, it's just like really stretching. And I was just like, okay, you know, I need a little bit of a stretch, whatever. And then realizing that it was so much more than that. But a lot of people came to it from that physical modality. And in the West, a lot of people People come to it because it becomes the next fitness craze. And as a person who was a fitness instructor, we just followed the trend. You know, we started out with jazzercise and then it turned into step class and then it was spin class and then it was group fitness and then it was boot camp and then it was yoga or whatever the progression was. But the coming to the yoga part gave us the pause, right? And that's what we're looking for. That little bit of activity and then the pause where we get to catch our breath. That's really linked to the bigger pause, which is going on right now, our ability to catch our breath breath, right? 
Mm. I really love that. I feel like one class really can make a difference because mm-hmm. it's that experience, you know, it's almost like, you, you know, you can catch a taste of something mm-hmm. and catch a glimpse of something. Mm-hmm. And then if it speaks to you, you are going to keep coming back to it over and over again. You know, like you taste a really amazing juice and you want another sip, you know? Exactly. You Me don't and really... tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like bubble tea. It's an addiction and every bubble tea shop is closed. So I'm now like, I've resorted to learning how to make it myself and it's never as good. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even dare to try to make bubble tea on my own. I think, I've, no. I think I've only ever had bubble tea in Taiwan. And that's where it originated. That's where it's from. And my sister-in-law yeah. is Taiwanese and she's like, you know, we created bubble tea. And I go, well, I need to go to Taiwan and have bubble tea there because that will be the most authentic experience of bubble tea I can have. <laughs> when the borders are open, number one on your list Get over to Taiwan and get, and get myself a real bubble, bubble tea. tea. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. For sure. 100%. Oh. No, it's so cool. Well, the other, the other thing I'm noticing is that people are practicing and coming to practice. And you are right in that seeing a one hour, 90 minute thing, particularly if you're not a yoga practitioner at home, is just this super intimidating. You think, oh my oh, yeah. goodness, I can't give an hour of my life. You know, you have, you have your children that you're homeschooling right now oh, and yes. your work that's like on Zoom now and you know, all this stuff <laughs> yeah. going on. And so even though we're home, safer at home all day long, it's still, it's still intimidating to carve out more than, you know, five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that can make a that still can make a palpable difference because mm-hmm. you're still working through those methodologies. The breath is there, the posture is there, and if there's even just a little pause at the mm-hmm. end, doesn't need to be too long. Just like even couple, like ten to 20, 30 seconds mm-hmm. can is quite a long time in the quiet space of the mind. Absolutely, and it's something that we don't explore. We don't explore on our own. So to be kind of relegated, or so to speak, I'm using air quotes, uh, forced to kind of uh, to be in it, or forced to exhibit it, or forced to witness it, can change your perspective, even if it is for ten minutes, right? In that stillness of the mind, or that observation of the mind, and also the relief in the physical body. You know, yoga really works. There, there. And, and as, as we mentioned, as we were talking about before, as people's nerves are frayed, people's bodies mm-hmm. are also showing wear and tear. You know, mm-hmm. back pain is arising for people that never had it before. And we are sitting. Or, yeah, a lot <laughs> yeah. of sitting around. People are, are you know, not, maybe not as, as mobile, mm-hmm. you know, and facing all sorts of interesting things that are presenting in the body. So that, mm-hmm. that, that it's that it's okay to fo- like there are physical benefits of yoga. It's not that mm-hmm. that's a it's not that a that's a negative. Thing. No, that's a good thing. Healing the body is mm-hmm. part of the spiritual journey too. Absolutely, and, you your know, spirit resides in your body, right? So your body is an, an an extension of the divine. So why why wouldn't you want to move it? Why wouldn't you want to connect the breath with the body? It's just another extension of your divine self. So there's nothing wrong with getting that movement. I just love how delicious the stillness is after the movement. Yeah. So uh, me too. I mean, me too. Nice. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, I, I kind of, at some moment, I've started to shift my own personal practice to mm. put, uh, put more emphasis on meditation. Mm-hmm. And after I've been sitting also in addition to practice for a long time, you know, but I think the last two years I've made some kind of commitment to myself that I want to sit for in meditation for as long as I'm doing asana. That was a huge wow. shift for me. So, yeah. and then 
and that's a that's a huge that's a whole other experience when right. I start to have a different relationship to sitting then and that becomes its own kind of discipline and practice I'm like wow okay I've really taken this on and there've been some amazing things that that have happened but but again people don't need to start there as you mentioned the mm-hmm. the, the body is this temple of the divine the body we're even if we are not in our bodies, our bodies define so much of our identity, our existence. Mm-hmm. If the body is in pain, it changes everything. It changes our mood. It's impacting us and speaking to us, even if we're not cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have different bodies. So is yoga really for every body? Because there's going to be someone listening out there that's going to say, yoga, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's good for those type of people, but not yes. for me. That's for young people. That's for thin people. That's for flexible mm-hmm. people. That's for white people. That's for straight mm-hmm. people. Like you fill in the blank, right? Anybody, that's for women. Only that's women for, do yoga. Yeah, only women do yoga. Only young women do yoga. Nobody mm-hmm. old's doing yoga. And, um, you know, here's what I say to that, that not every practice of yoga is for everyone, but yoga, but there is a practice for everyone, whether that practice of yoga is your meditation, right? Sitting in stillness, sitting with your thoughts, observing your mind, that's a practice in and of itself, even if it's something gentle or restorative. And for those of you who feel like the physical, the physicality of yoga is way too much for you, there's all these wonderful restorative practices, especially for those of us who are chronically tired. Um, there's all these wonderful restorative practices that use props to prop up the body and allow yourself to fully relax. For those of us who are anxious or need to move it or fidgety, there's these strong vinyasa and ashtanga practices that speak to that part of the body. There's, there is something for everyone. And if, for those of us who need a long, deep stretch, there's those yin type practices. So, uh, you know, you may be a beginner and you may accidentally step into an ashtanga intermediate series class and figure out that perhaps yoga, that yoga class is perhaps not for you. You should have maybe found the beginner class or the gentle class. Um, And that may, for some people, just be like, I did yoga once and oh my gosh, she put her foot behind her head and then I was gone. Or he stood on one finger and did a handstand while we're sitting the Gita and I was out of there. But you know, uh, know that those are practices for people, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's your practice, right? And again, your practice of yoga could could also be going out into the world and serving in some kind of way, whether that's um, now you're working with an underserved, underestimated population or you're working with children, or you're working in the LGBTQIA plus community, that is service. That can be your yoga. So yoga is, we have to remember that yoga isn't just that physical practice, right? It's so many ways. It's all about the way we want to show up in the world. And it's all about the way we want to be physical in the world, because you can go from these really gentle, lovely, soothing practices for the body. I'm thinking of yoga nidra right now, where you have this wonderful, full relaxation all the way up to something that's very physical and very demanding and very athletic. So that tells me that there's some, it's on a spectrum, right? That there is something for everyone and connecting with healing with identifying with, um, appreciating your body is important because your body houses your soul. It's the container for your soul. It's the only vehicle you have in which to experience life. So it is worthy of a practice that will help it experience life in a bigger way, in a, a, in a more connected way, in a way that, in a way that's uplifting and inspiring for you. And perhaps just perhaps for someone else, right? Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love the idea that 
everybody can find a practice that works for them. And the idea also that you as a practitioner, you could have a different practice for each day that, you know, as, as a dedicated, almost lifelong Ashtanga practitioner, there have been some days that I've felt like, you know, I actually need a more gentle practice today. Like my nervous system is not going to respond to trying to do like advanced poses. I need to do something that is going to speak the language of calm to my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think really important for people to know is just because you love one style of yoga, that spectrum can live within you. You can have Mm -hmm. it all. You can do you know, a restorative class one day, a dynamic class another day, you know, a Nidra class the next day, you know, you can, you can actually do that. That is okay. That counts as well. You know, there, there are some people that are going to get addicted to one thing and Mm -hmm. and only do that. And that's totally cool. And Mm -hmm. I almost feel like, you know, it's almost like a, you know, going to the ice cream shop. Some people always get vanilla and that's what they love. And they always get the same flavor. Other people are like, you know what? I want to sample everything mm-hmm. and that's okay. You can get a different flavor each time. As I long as, that. yeah, the, 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 the thread isn't about, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. The thread mm-hmm. is about waking up somehow. Absolutely. And learning something new that could be life-affirming or life-enhancing, right? And I very much am a vinyasa queen. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And when I, um, did I say I loved it? And and then when I get a really good restorative, you know, props and blankets and a really soothing voice, I'm like, oh, why don't I do this more? This is so yummy. And and then when I fall asleep four minutes into yoga nidra, so yoga nidra is like psychic sleep. You're laying down and we're going through all the parts of the body and, and slowly relaxing that. And I never make it past um, like, you know, right side, then left side, then right side. And by the third instruction, I'm like asleep and snoring, like, like full on snoring. And so I'm always like, oh, why don't I do yoga nidra? You know what I mean? It's just like, it's a catalog almost of all the things that can make your mind, your body, your heart, and your spirit illuminate, right? It's, it's all the things. It's all the colors of the crayons in the, in the box. It's all the flavors of ice cream. It's all the experiences of life, right? That you can tap into through this practice. And what makes you feel good, you know, what's going to give you that feeling after, you know, and I live for that. (laughs) No, me too. I live for that feeling after, right? Yeah, me too. And it's, that carrying that feeling into your life. So there, there is this idea, uh, a friend of mine once said, you know, don't start yoga, it's going to ruin your life. Oh, dear. Right? <laughs> and the reason he said that was that when you start practicing, you, that feeling, that good mm-hmm. feeling that we're both talking about that we live for, that's something that changes your life. Mm-hmm. So you come into the yoga practice and you see this image and you're like, I just want to be fit and flexible. And then mm-hmm. you come in, some people start, they want to do a headstand, something like that. All really, really good reasons get into the practice, let the physical be the doorway. But it's like, you don't really know what you're getting into as a beginner. And I hope if there are you know new students listening to this, that we won't scare them away. But right. yoga does change your life. You know, Speaking for myself personally, I went from being a night owl, staying up really late at night to going to bed early and getting up early. Mm-hmm. I changed my whole diet. I moved not only into being plant-based, but also into actually eating to nourish my body and mm-hmm. kind of healing like trauma of diet culture. Right. You know? And yes. so this changed so much. And then, and then it also changed how, how I'm showing up in the world, which mm-hmm. impacts thoughts about, you know, 
whether it's how I'm going to serve my community, how I'm going to interact with political leaders, whether it's going to impact what sort of consumerism I'm engaged in, all of that. So this changes everything, mm-hmm. you know? So what do you have to say about people that say that, you know, just stay in your lane, you know, yoga should just be yoga, you know, just stay in your lane. Why are you talking about the environment? Why are you talking about, you know, consumerism and, you know, how we treat other people and marginalized communities? It's just stretching, just stay in your <laughs> lane and stretch. I've had many people tell me that, you know, stick to yoga to stretching. <laughs> you are sticking to yoga. I don't remember seeing in the Yoga Sutra, I don't remember seeing in any yoga text where it just said stick to stretching. <laughs> I don't I don't remember. I maybe in my 200 hour or my 500 hour or maybe my, I've been I've been training a lot. I have, I have thousands of hours of training and I don't remember any text that we ever read that said stay in your lane and it's just stretching. It was never it was never that. Think of the history of the world. Think of the history of spiritual leaders. Think of the history of yoga itself. It has never just been about the physical and it has never just been about stretching. It has, if it's been about stretching, it's stretching the mind. It's stretching your experience. It's, it, the word literally means unity. And if we're going to like unpack that, how do we get to unity? By taking care of each other, by taking care of the earth, by taking care of our bodies, by looking out right on each other. Even if you study the koshas, the veils that keep us from knowing the truth, that alone tells you that it's not just stick to stretching. I think if you want to just stick to stretching, you should do calisthenics, maybe go over there, do a little Pilates. I mean, that's great, but this is not that. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. When you learn about the body, when you learn about the breath, when you learn about connection, you can't help but want to expand your experience of the world or open your worldview because you've become conscious. It's always been been about the consciousness, has it not? And consciousness is never just about the stretching. So what I would say to people is, you don't know what yoga is. That's really bold to say, but I'm just going to say it. Like it was never just about the stretching. And you are staying in your lane if you're talking about all those things because your consciousness has been risen. And that's why we're practicing, no? Absolutely. (laughs) Just like in the yoga practice, you know, you get into some of these asanas and people make the assumption that they have to get it on the first try. Mm -hmm. And then they run away from the difficult poses, you know? And so there's a posture that they're not good at. Well, in the yoga practice, what we often say is those, those poses that you're not good at, those are the ones that offer you the most opportunity for growth. And that's a lesson you can bring back into your life. And we were talking about that earlier about the places of friction. Right. Yes. Where there's my mother's saying, I don't know where she heard it. I've seen it memed out everywhere, but where there's friction, there is traction. And it's learning how to deal with that friction and how to deal with that traction and how that traction can uplift and um, lift the consciousness of the world, quite frankly. And the consciousness of the world is being lifted right now. This, this pandemic can be your yoga practice. What have you learned about the earth, about yourself, about your world, about your spouse, about your children, about your position, about your privilege? What have you learned from being safe at home and having all this time to contemplate what is my impact on the world? Yeah. Those are takeaways that I hope everybody takes a few moments. And if anybody who's listening to this wants to take a few moments and actually just contemplate those questions. Mm-hmm. What have I learned? You know, what is my privilege? And something that I've been really like sitting with is to notice how 
some of us have had the privilege to be able to take our work online. Yeah. And vast groups of people, primarily marginalized communities, are not able to take their work online. So then they're either sitting with job loss mm-hmm. or they're sitting with the other end of it, which is that they have to go to work. Yeah. So and they're in harm's way. Mm-hmm. You know, Uber drivers, you know, Lyft drivers, they're still picking people up. Everyone who works in a grocery store is like a hero right now. Yes. You yeah. know, any other food, any other restaurant, food delivery service that's open, yeah. people that have to show, the few people that have to show up in the airports, even though they're empty, yeah. or the few people that do, I guess, have to go on airplanes here and there still right now. Yeah. Right so now. so there, there, no there were some studies showing that it's kind of like a white collar quarantine. You know, the, oh, the, for the, sure it is. It's a privileged quarantine for sure. For sure. I think about that every single day because we have um, takeout. This is a thing that my family and I have instilled. It's called Takeout Tuesday. And it's the one day of the week that we go through the drive-thru and we all get in the car and it's a big trip to whatever drive-thru we're going through. And I'm always really thankful to the person at the drive-thru who's there so that I can get my Mm. Starbucks or whatever the heck it is that I need on that day. And how privileged I am that I get to just be at home, shelter at home, safe at home. And think of all the people who, I I just think of like women's shelters and I think of homeless people. And I think of all those people that don't have that privilege of being safe in their homes and how privileged it is of me to complain. Like one meme that's been going around the internet that I, that just actually irks me every time I see it. You'll either come out of this as a, a hunk or a chunk or something else saying that, you know, you're safe at home, everybody's gaining weight. And I, I, and I went out and I said, if you come out of this pandemic and you've gained weight, you're the privileged one. You had enough to eat. You had enough to rest. You had enough to lay around and not have to worry about stuff. You're a privileged one. So stop with that nonsense. Think of all the people who are constantly in harm's way and have no other choices. And how do we serve those people going forward? Like how, how do we show up for those people going forward? How do we demand change for those people going forward? How do we, the privileged stick up and leverage our privilege for those of us who are living at the margins? How do we show up? And remember that when you're going out in the world and complaining that you're, I don't know, you can't get a haircut or yeah, all these things, right? Think think about those people who have to be out there because they need a job and they have a family. Like that's the scariest thing ever. I feel very blessed to live in Canada because um, we have a lot of social safety nets, and they shut us all down. And we've all gotten a rescue fund that is not a one-time payment of twelve hundred dollars. Which, if you live in New York City or Los Angeles or any major city, is maybe half your rent. Like you can't even do anything with. And it wasn't even administrated well. There are so many people that haven't gotten it. It's not like it worked in Canada, the where the money. Everybody just got a deposit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not like some people. It's like random. Some people got it. Other people did not get the stimulus money, and then they said that it could take up to six months for the money to arrive. What's the point? Like people are starving now, people. Yeah, it's a it's it's really nuts, and I mean I, I'm grateful for you that you live in Canada. One of the glaring one of the glaring discrepancies that I I really do hope people wake up to is the mm. need for some sort of universal healthcare system. Yes. Because I just like first of all, I couldn't imagine the people that I know that don't have health insurance, and I I know a good number of yoga teachers out there don't have. Oh, health for insurance. sure, I'm sure, and a good number of just our students, our yoga students, don't have health insurance. They're servers. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, we live and work in Miami Beach and so many of our students, our local students, they've lost their jobs from one day to the next. They worked in the hotels. The hotels were mandatory closed and there used to be a, you know, a concierge closed. And then the there were a server that's closed. And so there's all these things that are just done and they've been, you know, furloughed, which basically means don't call us, we'll call you if and when, mm. you know, yeah. we can open again. And, you know, and, the, and then, and then here we are. Mm. I lost what I was saying. What were we talking about? My brain just we totally privilege. Privilege so, yes. and, and, yeah. Oh, and then, then healthcare. Yes. So all yeah, these people, thank you so much. My brain just did one of these. That's little okay. Mind That's the time. I'm glad yeah. it's me. <laughs> Yeah. So that, so the healthcare thing. So I was talking to people, our students, our teachers, and I said, you know, every time someone sneezes, they they or coughs. Because sneezing mm-hmm. is not a symptom, but they someone coughs and says, "I think I have it." Like, are you going to go get tested? No, I don't have healthcare. You know, are you going to go get like? Do, do you do you really think you have it, or is it just a psychological thing? No, I don't know. I haven't been feeling what you're going to get tested. I don't have healthcare. I don't want to know if I have it. So and so then you is, go and you spread it to somebody else. So the, this is an actual thing that's happening. You know, if you contemplate. The people who don't, who are out of a job, don't have health insurance. The mm-hmm. idea of facing, you know, a medical crisis and a medical emergency is 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 not only the the trauma and the anxiety of the medical emergency. It's also bankruptcy and yeah. financial ruin. Yeah. So yeah, they don't want to go to the hospital. They don't want to go get checked. They would rather just sit in their apartment and just wait it out. So yeah. that's unfortunately what 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 ends up happening is that people don't know what their healthcare situation is. So I, I hope that, that this will wake us up to the idea that, you know, healthcare is something that needs to be, you know, in my opinion, and I, I really feel strongly about that, that, that we can't be in a situation where healthcare is a privilege. No, where, it grows to me that healthcare is something that a company can profit off of, that somebody can profit off of the fact that I get sick. That seems absolutely ridiculous to me, right? The same way... Um, I feel like people, if you make a mistake and you end up in prison or you're part of a, a population that's targeted and ends up in prison, that people get to profit off of a mistake or a systemic problem. That needs, that's a hard long look at yourself. That's self-study there. That's what a hard long look at yourself. Like how would this crisis have been managed differently if everybody had access to universal health care? What would have changed? That's just a question. What would have changed when that happens, Right. What would have changed? What, how, how, could we have, how could things have been avoided if people had access to healthcare, right? I just, I don't, I, as a Canadian, I can't understand it. I, I just, I don't think companies should be able to profit off of you and I getting sick. Because we're all going to get sick, right? We're all going to get sick. We're, we're human beings. We're all going to get sick or injured or something's going to happen to us at some point. Everybody's had an injury where they need to go to a doctor or a hospital and somebody shouldn't be profiting off of that. It should be something that, Healthcare should be a universal right for all of us. Not this whole that the rich get everything and the poor get nothing. I'm going to remind people that nobody comes to their position in life all on their own. And we're, and we're seeing this in the great pause, right? It's not the billionaires that are keeping the economy afloat, which is why everything is opening well and before it should. It's the worker bees, that are keeping the economy afloat. And the worker bees have to stay home. Most of us have to stay home. So we're not buying things. So the economy aren't, isn't doing anything. And then, you know, there's all this idea that you want to give tax, these big corporations a tax break. How are they helping you now? They're helping your, they're helping themselves to your stimulus package. And mm-hmm. they're going to be, they're going to pay themselves out huge bonuses. Mm-hmm. And then the little guy is going to die. Yeah. Which is, which is actually going to be, 
the destruction of, of the whole cycle. You know, that's the lie of capitalism. See how capitalism is failing you. That's the lie, right? I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but yoga works in New York city is no longer. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We were just talking about that. So for people who don't know what yoga works is, you know, uh, yoga works is a multi-studio chain with a flag, a huge flagship location in New York city. And the fact that as a result of this coronavirus situation, that now not only did they take a hiatus, but they're permanently closed. So this has changed the landscape of what it means to be, you know, a yoga studio. And if it can happen to a big corporate entity like Yoga Works, what are the small mom and pop operations? How do they stay afloat? So it's all just a big facade. The whole, this capitalist, the corporation, it's all just a big illusion, right? And then we have to ask ourselves going forward, how do we want to support each other so that this doesn't happen? How do we look out for each other? How do we make political choices that better all of us and not some of us? Because you guys have an election coming up. You have Mm -hmm. some choices to make, right? And you made some choices last time that served who exactly? Ask we're yourself. Still, I know. I think we're still figuring that out, <laughs> right? I think we're still seeing what's going serve, on. You know, I mean, if maybe the and I, I try to see this. Uh, I try to see this period that we're in as the way that you're seeing the great pause. Great I try pause. to. I try to take a moment and see what it's going to be like ten years down the road. Yes. And hopefully, there have been some pivotal lessons of growth and awakening that have happened through friction. Yes. So that's 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 what I keep trying to see. As we look forward in that direction. Let's not let our memories get short. Okay, let's not let our memories get mm-hmm. short. It's going to take, uh, we estimate here in Canada, it's going to take us 18 months to kind of get back to some form of normalcy, not to where we were before. But that's the feeling from the government and everybody who's looking at the uh, the great pause here. It's going to take us 18 months. And so in these 18 months, what's going to end up happening is all these marketing companies are going to be hired and they're going to try to tell us like, it wasn't that bad and oh, it's not a big deal and let's get back to it. And let's not let our memories be short. Let's remember this. While we were in the great pause, let's pay attention and let's be discerning about our choices going forward. Let's not forget what happened. Let's not forget who died. Let's not forget um, how we weathered the storm. Let's not let this become a quick memory. Let's live in this for a while and let it influence how we make our choices going forward forward because there is going to be a big marketing campaign to get you back out there, to get you spending money, to get you back on your feet and to get you to to tell you that this wasn't such a big deal. And we all know that it was a big deal and it is a big deal. So let's not forget it quickly. Let's remember the lessons of it as we move forward and be better people as we move into that. Once, once we move past this, let this be a defining moment for all of us. I, I second that wholeheartedly. And one question that I've been thinking about is are some, some new habits that mm-hmm. I've developed during these times and if I'm going to carry those through, you know, and so thinking about consumerism, you know, thinking about, you know, political choices and thinking about, you know, just small daily, small daily things that I would, that I did before that I took for granted, you know, oh, yeah. I would go and I would go and buy a juice quite often, yeah. you know? And now I've got this really awesome juicer that I'm having a love affair with, you know, and, and I feel like, wow, this is, there's so much, there's less waste. It's, 
it's cheaper. It's, you know, better. I feel it's better for the environment. It's definitely for now it's safer. I'm making it myself. This is a habit I'm going to carry with me after. So I hope people will carry the habit of yoga with them after. Um, how about you? What what new habit have you developed that you're going to carry with you out of the great pause? Out of the great pause. I used to eat out a lot because um, we're really busy. I have teenage boys that are in travel sports. So I was always grabbing things on the go. And so we've had so many family dinners. It's been, I've cooked three times a day. I'm teaching my boys how to cook. There's a day when they cook. And so I, I think I'm going to eat at home home more and make more of an effort to, you know, plan meals and sit down with my kids and actually eat them. Cause we'd all be like standing at the counter or grabbing stuff and going, cause we're all so busy, but making more time to prepare meals together and, and to have meals together. I've been riding my bike and walking, um, with my husband a lot, which I never did. We'd all just do our own thing. Cause we were all so busy and that's been really good to reconnect. It's interesting to me. It's funny every now and again, him and I get on each other's nerves because well, we're all here safe at home. And I always say to him, I wonder how many people are going to be divorced at the end of this big pause <laughs> because it's a lot of togetherness. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting statistic from Denmark, you know, my husband's Danish and so they're, they're a smaller country. So somehow they have a lot of these very interesting statistics that they pull out. So they said that in the country of Denmark, crime, of course, is now there's no crime in Denmark right now, but the incidence of domestic violence is increasing. And then uh-huh. and like domestic violence in Denmark, I think, uh, you know, of, of course, there's also, there are, of course, abuses happening everywhere, but they also were registering just people yelling at each other oh, at wow. home. You know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, so, so we're getting, you know, husbands and wives, we're getting on each other's nerves. I felt it with my husband, we travel a lot, you know? And so I said to Tim, I had a conversation with him the other day. I said, you know, so, um, sweetheart, this is about the longest time that, uh, we've been around each other. And you haven't taken a trip and I haven't taken a trip and we, you know, maybe you are gone for a few hours, but you come back and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like a week that I don't see you and right? this makes the heart grow fonder. I'm, there's, a no lot. Yes. there's a lot of presents. And there's a lot. Yeah. And I said, you know, how are we doing? You yeah. Know? It's been really funny because I like you travel quite a bit and to be quite honest, I feel refreshed. I didn't know how tired I was from traveling until I'm not traveling. Because um, the the week before I got home, like I came home, I was traveling all of January and all of February. And I came home on the 6th of March and I had been gone for a month. I think I had been like home for one day, did some laundry, left. Home for two days, did some laundry and left. And I now have been home for almost two months, which is the longest I've ever been home in a while. And I'm actually like, oh, this feels kind of good night to be like, where's my passport? Where's that outfit that I bought? Oh, I run out of conditioner. I got to go to the store because I have to get all this stuff to pack, you know, to go on my next adventure. And it's really been kind of nice. I didn't know how exhausted I was until I didn't have to be packing a bag every weekend to leave. And so that's one thing I think I'm going to take away is that I'm going to travel a lot less. I'm going to really cherry pick Um, the types of events that I want to be a part of and the types of trainings that I want to do and just like slow down a bit. Mm, Enjoy, mm, just not mm. at warp nine. My my husband said the same thing. Um, I, I, however, was like, I actually miss the airplane. (laughs) 
<laughs> you like traveling. You want to be on an airplane. <laughs> I like the airplane. I also like, uh, you know, I like these hours when I'm not on Wi-Fi and, I, the, you know, the airplane is off and I, I don't know, I like to look at the world from up there. It's just, you know, but, but, but I, I do admit that I've had, I've had more rest than usual. Yes. I feel really good. Actually, The body feels good. The body you feels know. good. You know, you're not in a zillion different time zones and, um, you know, airports are low energy spaces and you're always yeah. like being scanned by some kind of <laughs> something right. Ele- electromagnetic field that messes with your energy. And it's a lot of hurry up, wait, hurry up, <laughs> wait. Right. And that all has an effect on how our bodies function and how our bodies feel. And it's been really nice not to be in that hurry up and wait that I can just wait. <laughs> yeah, We're only in the wait. There's no um, more hurry up. Yeah, there's a hurry up pause, right? And I'm kind of enjoying that, right? Yeah, I love that. I've I've also been enjoying I've been enjoying some some aspects of being home as well, of course. You know, the sleep, the I, I was supposed to be in Europe for the and so right was now? my husband. We were supposed to yeah, now we were we had planned to be over there for his birthday, which is in May. And so we were gonna spend a month over there. And I was so sad that mm-hmm. we were going to miss mango season because mango season, you know, is kind of May, June. And you know, it was like, oh, we're going to miss mango season. And then there's a passion fruit season. It's like, it starts to be tropical fruit season. Oh, I'm going to miss it. Now, you know, I was here for the first mango and I thought, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm so jealous you have a mango tree. I can't even begin to tell you. It's one of my favorite fruits and my family's from Barbados. I'm West Indian. And my grandma had a guava tree, a mango tree, a soursop bush. <gasps> Um, what else did she have that I would just die for? She had a lemon tree. I miss all that stuff. And when I saw you, you had a bag of mangoes on one of your uh-huh. posts. And I'm just like, what would it be like? I live out here in the cold, in the cold Canada. I weren't doing any of those things to just go outside and get a bag of mangoes. Like, I mean, I pay like $5 for one mango here at the grocery store. I'm just like, the thought of having a bag of them all to myself. Oh my God. That's just heaven. No, I know it is heaven. I'm not going to lie. It is total heaven. It's mango heaven. I, you know, I, Florida, you spoke all the fruits of Florida from soursop to papayas. We've got passion fruit. I'm actually in our yard. We've got passion fruit, papaya, uh, avocado, mm. mango, mm. and we have a lime tree. Nice. And the next tree that I'm, you know, I'm, I really run a plant is a carambola, star fruit. Oh, star fruit. You know what kind of salad you can make with that? You know what kind of smoothie oh. you can do with all of that? Oh my goodness. Dang. That's going to be so good. I do know. We, we also have some coconut palm trees, but they're, they're way too high. Like we would risk our lives to get the no, coconuts. You would have to hire somebody to go up there. And... Yes. My dad, when certainly. he was a kid, he's got a, a picture of him at the top of that because he would just climb up them and cut them down when he was a kid. Like I see that all the time in Barbados where these 15 year old boys just scale up that tree, cut down a bunch and hand them to you. And I'm just like, that's far. Those are stories, like stories. That's high to go up there to cut down. COVID. Oh, it's scary. How's Barbados doing during all this? They're having their challenges and, you know, their social distancing is very different from ours, but they've, um, thank God for Rihanna because, uh, what had happened was they had some ventilators earmarked for Barbados that your government clawed back. Mm-hmm. And- after they were paid for and there was a big panic going on and then Rihanna to the rescue and she took care of the island. So uh, she's our home girl. So Barbados is holding her own in this, in this time. But one thing about Bayesians is they're really practical. So they're not one, they're not one to, they're one to listen and stay home. So. Oh, that's good. Best as you can do on a tiny little island in the middle of the Caribbean ocean, I guess. 
<laughs> I feel like that would be a most fine place to shelter in place. And shelter in place, yeah. <laughs> if only, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't need to leave the islands. Right. I am also on an I am also on an island near the Caribbean, so I'm not complaining. Oh, you feel it. Yes. <laughs> One thing I noticed about Miami is how uh, Caribbean it felt, how West Indian it felt, the food, the smells, the sound. When mm-hmm. I did come down there to do some filming, I was just like, feels familiar and it feels like home. Oh, well, we look. I look forward to the time when you can come visit again, and hopefully there'll be some mangoes left. I would love that. I want to go and just make it off the train. <laughs> sounds like heaven. So last thing for everyone who's listening, you have a book. So if they wanted to start yoga, I kind of feel like your book could be a really, really good resource. Yes. It's you- called Yoga for Everyone, 50 Poses for Every Body Type. And the thing that I'm, I'm so proud of this book is that I have something for everyone in here. My friend, uh, John is in here, who's a double amputee. So he's a lot, he's showing us a lot of chair things. My friend who was pregnant at the time, she's showing us how to do a lot of things with when you've got a baby bump. Um, my other friend, Josie in here has cerebral palsy. So you get to see what, how the body practices asana with all different kinds of things going on. And there's me and my plus size body. And of course I, we, I have everybody represented in this book and every pose has four variations to start. It has, it's really geared toward those of us who are maybe a little hesitant to come to the practice or scared to give it a try. I wanted to show what the, what the asana looked like in a myriad of bodies and everybody has some, something to bring to the practice. So I feel like it's a really good starting place and you can get that, you can get that book on Amazon, which is the only place you're buying anything these days. Um, (laughs) and then once this is passed, you can find it at Barnes and Nobles and any, any bookstore, you can find it in any bookstore. Oh, awesome. And I really recommend it. You've been such a resource for me, a source of inspiration for me about how to make the practice more accessible. And I I just, I love and respect your teachings and I just love you, Diane. Thank you right back at you. It's been a wonderful friendship uh, that we've cultivated and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kino. Right back at you. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.